Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome back to another episode of the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. For first-time listeners, please be aware that not all of the conversations within this podcast are suitable for children. I'd also like to add a trigger warning that sometimes the conversations can get a little heavy. We may talk about things like sexual abuse, domestic violence, drug use and alcohol use. And if you feel that that may trigger you, please do not tune in. Also, I'd like to add, if you are a heavy daily drinker, please seek the help of a medical practitioner before quitting alcohol. This podcast comes to you from beautiful Bundjalung country. Please kick back and enjoy. Grab yourself your favorite alcohol-free bevy. And if you haven't already, do a gal a favor. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Hi, and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol. Today in the Zoom room, I'm so stoked to have this guest on. Her name is Andrea Kerwin. She's an amazing musician. Gosh, I've been watching your your musical journey, I guess, for years. And uh, we caught up recently at a Kelly Bruhaha and, and yourself and some other beautiful people playing music together. And we're having a good old chat about uh, all things sobriety and uh, you're also joining my husband on a tour next month. So it's great to have you on. When I look at you, Andrea, I'm very conflicted because you look exactly like my husband. So I'm yeah, kind of we, crushing on you. We we have a bit of similar, <laughs> like I always imagine if I if I was born a man, I would be blessed to look like Ash Grunwald, that's for sure. <laughs> like he could be my brother. Like, yeah, we we look quite similar. Well, he's a beautiful man. So yeah, but very, very strange, very confusing for me. As I <laughs> talk to you. If he, I he could be one of my, forgive me. Yeah, he could be one of my drag king personas in the future. <laughs> I love that little post you did recently on Instagram or Facebook where yeah. you were comparing the photos of you two. I was pissing myself. My kids were wetting themselves laughing. They're like, <laughs> Mom, she does. She looks exactly like dad. But no favoritism here. That's not why I've got you on, just because yeah. you look like my gorgeous husband. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but thank you. Thank you for coming on the show today. It's awesome to have you here. One of the reasons too, like to get you on today is because you're early on in your sobriety journey, which we'll go into. So you're around about three months today. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty new actually, but it feels really good. And so I think this is it for me. I think I'm just gonna one of those people that drinks non-alcoholic beers and finds alternatives and you've got to do what makes you feel good so absolutely do you think that seeing other people doing it as well helps kind of ease into that decision as well people like Kelly Bruhaha and Ash and other musicians that you sort of are around it's good to have a community around anything you're doing that makes you Mm. feel good so I remember I met up with Kelly must have been maybe nine months ago or something and she was telling me she was not drinking and I was telling her I was launching a beer and so it was like these sort of two parts and then I was like wow that's really interesting I I don't think I'd ever do that like I don't think I'd ever just quit cold turkey because I I usually just have one or two drinks over dinner but then when stress levels start to get a bit higher then it becomes two to three and then I Mm. feel you just sort of feel the impacts of that but I'm not I wouldn't class myself as a heavy drinker 
Yeah, that's one of the reasons I wanted to get you on as well, because I had I've had some requests recently from people saying, hey, I don't actually drink that much, but I kind of want to stop. But most of the people I hear from on your podcast are really heavy drinkers. And not everyone has to be a, a very heavy drinker to stop. It used to be if you're a binge drinker, it didn't mean you're an alcoholic, so you didn't need to stop. But now it's even more looking back, like as we step back further and further, if I just drink a couple, can I stop as well? And I mean, yeah, like if it's having, I guess, any kind of negative impact on us, anything that we do, it's probably worth looking at stopping. Was yeah. it having any negative impact on you just having those couple a night? Yeah, I would say so. Like my wife definitely notices the difference. So she says I have more joy in my life, which is a cool thing. So when you don't drink. Yeah. Yeah. So when I think when you drink, especially when I would drink to take the edge off the stress I was feeling, because I, you know, run my own music business agency label and perform and just carrying all of those things. And I was undiagnosed ADHD at the time. So drinking was sort of like a crutch that I would use just to calm myself, calm my nervous system. But then the next morning, I would definitely lose at least an hour or two of productivity just getting going. And yeah, I, would, yeah. I wouldn't exercise as much. I'd take the dog for a walk, but it wouldn't be as, like now I ride my bike with my dog each morning and it the whole thing is just much healthier mm-hmm. than what I thought was helping me relax Absolutely. It's interesting where so many people, like you say, that you use it to take the edge off and so many people were using it for that, like getting home from work. I'll just have one or two to take the edge off. And I just did a a little mini-sode about that kind of exact thing, like what it is that we're actually really craving. And so thinking about, well, what does it do for me? What does it give me? And what is it that I'm actually needing or wanting for myself when I do have the drink right so mm. it's really great to recognize that so taking the edge off I guess how else that could look how do we take the edge off when we're feeling a bit stressed or the nervous system's a bit fired up how mm. are you already in these early days taking the edge off now uh so I did get a ADHD diagnosis and that was partly because last year in September October I brought two Canadian artists out to do east coast tours through my label so I started doing boutique tours and both of them had diagnosed ADHD and it seems like Canada is like years ahead of Australia as far as understanding ADHD and diagnosing it in women and for me after spending like a good three months with these friends of mine now I realized how much I had it and how much I was self-medicating through alcohol just regular small amounts and so now what I do is I be very aware of my personality traits and understanding that when I do drink I am more likely to take higher risk decisions and make choices that put me in slightly more of a higher risk in order to release dopamine so the thing about the ADHD is my body doesn't Uh, receive dopamine in the same way that other people receive it so therefore like a lot of musicians must have it because we are fine with taking risks and we're just like oh sell tickets and like do this and promote that and it makes us feel good and so for me I've had to sort of change my whole approach to how I function in the music industry and try and make better decisions look after my mental health in that way and then also still have 
really yummy food and drinks that are sort of low in sugar and non-alcoholic alternatives. Just so when I do feel like having a drink at the end of the afternoon, I might have a non-alcoholic beer or kombucha and juice or like whatever it is. But I find myself naturally wanting to give my body like good things rather than things that will inhibit me from making good decisions for myself and my family. Absolutely. And it's kind of recognizing the coping strategies that we currently have or the ways in which we're soothing ourselves, our nervous system, what impact that might be having. And so looking at different ways of doing it and the impact that that perhaps doesn't have, or perhaps the good impact it does have, like you say, on yourself or on your family. Talk to me a bit about the ADHD diagnosis. So obviously being around other people that have been diagnosed, I know like everyone's talking about it. I feel like every second person's getting diagnosed with it at the moment but it's kind of cool too you know like we're a society we've I mean looking at ADHD I see it as the kind of coping mechanism I see it in myself too if I my mind jumps out and jumps all over the place sometimes rather than sitting with my own stuff and that's the kind of coping strategy I've had from an early age and noticing that and how we can get a bit all over the place but I guess the more people are talking about this it's kind of normalizing it just like sobriety right to understand oh okay right now it makes sense tell me how did it feel for you to get that diagnosis to just receive that and did it kind of all make sense all of a sudden how was that for you yeah absolutely like it I used to think it was really weird that when I'm playing music I'm thinking of other things or coming up with what I'm going to say after I finish this song and there's like two or three trains of thought and the creativity and like the business ideas and all of that, like it just made me understand the way my brain works. And I can't remember the name of the doctor in the US, but there's a doctor that does a lot of brain scans. And so. Is it Dr. Daniel Amen? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He does all the brain scans. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So my brother, my younger brother, actually, he's, he might have like, maybe a dozen drinks a year. He's not a big drinker at all, but uh, he sent me a, a video just explaining how the brain works and, and the effects of alcohol and how ADHD brains work and things. And so being able to watch that video was also a turning point because I could see the actual effects of the alcohol on my particular brain as someone with ADHD. And so getting the diagnosis was really good because I could understand to what level I have the two um, strains that we were tested on or I was tested on was the hyperactive and the inattentive. And so I could tell when I was a child, I had both of those like to the maximum. But after being in a 15-year relationship with my wife, the hyperactive has calmed down. (laughs) But the inattentive is still there. And so Mm -hmm. it's quite a challenge to to manage it especially in a relationship because your partner has to really work with keeping the focus and for me like I do better when I'm not looking at people in the eyes when I'm listening and so that all of that just understanding that I had ADHD was really healing for our relationship as well as for me personally to understand Mm. oh if if I'm communicating with you and you're not looking at me in the eyes it's you're not ignoring me or, or whatever it is um, right, yeah. so there's so many videos on that as well, which has been super helpful. So it's been a big three months since I got the diagnosis and yeah, it's really good. Like quitting drinking, it's kind of easy for me because I've culturally being Fijian, we do a, a thing called the hundred nights when 
we have a family member or a, a close relative or a friend pass away, we have this mourning process where you give up drinking and partying for a hundred nights. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And so I've done it before quite a few times. Uh, so when the person passes away, the family gets together and they have the first night, the fourth night, and then everyone travels that journey together for the hundred nights. So I'm, I'm used to quitting drinking for this amount of time, three months. It's sort of at that point where I'd be sort of counting down the days, like initially, like previously when, when we do the hundred nights, but I don't feel that this time around, I think for me and my personality and, and who I am in the community as well, I think not drinking really suits that. Absolutely. I love that whole concept. And we were talking about that at this gig we're at together recently about that hundred nights whilst you're grieving for someone. What a beautiful practice. And I talk about grief a lot on this podcast and dealing with grief without alcohol. What's the thinking behind that, do you think? And how long has that been a practice for? Do you feel like that's to help you process the emotions or is it also out of respect of the person who's passed or, or both? Yeah, I'm not sure when it started. Like I, I'm not familiar with the cultural reasoning behind it, but the fact that it goes for one season is probably an important aspect to it. So in Fiji, like when I lived in the village when I was eight years old, they had specific customs that they would all come together to celebrate. And yeah, it was just something I was taught as a sign of respect. So for instance, when my uncle passed away, he was the chief of our island, Matuku in Lao, which is like you have to travel to Suva and then you travel out towards Tonga. The whole family does it. So that's like the 10 brothers and sisters and then all of their children and there's like 60 first cousins and and so it's sort of like just a big gathering of the family to remember this person and and you all get together and you you eat together but I was here in Australia so yeah it's it's just a way to I think strengthen the bonds between family and just make it a special a special thing when the person passes. Mm. when you think about grieving in that way as opposed to say grieving how I guess we've done here like how we do it in Australia is oftentimes it's around drinking for you to look at that from the outside and compare the two talk to me a bit about that I do think like it's good to have cultural traditions around your family that don't involve potential substance abuse like I Mm. think Fijians do drink kava so there's that anything to the extreme is not good but yeah I just feel lucky to be part of a culture that has these traditions and and brings us closer together but it is it is challenging as well being away from Fiji when when they have things like that because you as you get older and and everybody has children and your life sort of start to become like these little satellites it Mm -hmm. it gets challenging but I mean my sister she's already saved the date because there's another another tradition where you have to take your kids back to the family's land and they do a big celebration on the coming home of the children. And so she's oh. already set the date for 2028. So, and that was like, she saved it last year. So there's, there's a lot of forethought that goes into it and the, the cultural traditions and things. But yeah, I think in Australia, like people tend to do it. Every family does it differently. Like I guess my wife's grandfather passed away last year and he was from Scotland and so they did have a wake where there was alcohol and things, but it still felt like a really special coming together of people. But then you're always sort of 
watching to see which uncle or which auntie like just goes over the edge of it and it becomes yeah. a bit of like a a thing where it's like oh there they go again and, yeah um, yeah 100%. yeah I, I do think like I think how it's supposed to be used potentially was in a sacred way but in society because of the really cool branding like I love branding so I always see it I'm like oh look at that that looks so cool I'll buy that like mm-hmm. that was sort of the the process for me but yeah when it's not done in like a a sacred way it sort of can become just dimming and dulling over time yeah and I think that's one thing I was talking to um Garrett Cato just recently on the podcast and he was talking about how alcohol just can kind of dim the lights on everything yeah and that when we remove it suddenly things kind of brighten up again and we're like oh wow we're awake to the world and all those kind of little beautiful nuances in life that start to show up again Mm. talk me a bit about early on so like so you're three months in how's it been for you obviously if you're not drinking heaps so people listening don't eye roll here but there's plenty of people as well that only have a few drinks at night but that can be really I mean I've coached people before that have just had light beers on the weekend yeah couldn't stop yeah but tell me about your tendency to drink of a night time when you're feeling a bit dysregulated and you're a bit ah, up in your head when did that kind of kick in for you when did that become a thing that that's sort of my solution for calming myself yeah yeah I think for me I haven't been that much of a drinker but in the music industry you'd hear all the time you get free alcohol and so it's a way of kind of going oh well I'll have this nice glass of whatever it is and just have one so pre-COVID I was doing up to 300 shows a year so that's drinking every night pretty much and so um, my partner would be sort of worried about me driving because you have to drive to every gig that you do. And so I'd say probably from about 2015, when I really went full time as a musician, um, that sort of would have been when that that started for me. So, yeah, mm-hmm. probably probably when I was about 30. Before that, we lived a pretty healthy lifestyle. And my wife's not a not a drinker that much, like very rarely does she drink. So we don't usually have it in the house. And so it probably was through the music industry that it became normalized to have a drink and the band was having drinks or there was a bar tab. And so you're like, I better use that. Like, so it was sort of, it's just started like that. And then during COVID, I would say it probably got worse just because how stressful it was. And then I think coming out of that, it sort of went back down to like one or two a night with occasionally a night off, but that always felt a bit like oh, I'm not drinking today. Yes. It was like the out of the norm. And so when I decided to go cold turkey, I still had um, Rylan Moran's out from Canada and he was sort of having a beer and and he's a very like sociable guy. And so I'd sort of hang out with him and I'd say no. And then I, but I would have to find something to drink. So I just lemon, lime and bitters or something or a non-alcoholic beer. And so that being around those old situations where you would just get a drink I think is probably the most challenging you know end of year December is always challenging because of all the end of year Christmas parties that you play and and um but I found that every pub that I played at or or bar had non-alcoholic drinks as an option so that was really good I went to the the cricket for the first time at the Gabba the other day and I walked past quite a few bars and then there was one that had a non-alcoholic beer option Mm-hmm. So it's it's just understanding to it's okay to want a drink to relax, but you just sort of divert that to uh, a healthier alternative. 
do you how do you feel when I was uh actually went to one of Kelly's shows recently in Ballina and yeah she was playing there and I was just sitting watching her on my own and I went up and asked for a drink and I said oh have you got any non-alcoholic beers uh, or or wines what have you got non-alcoholic and I feel really proud I like almost want everyone to hear it I feel like a bit like "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm do you feel like that (laughs) not yet but I think I would like to make my own alternative so I was hanging out a lot at the tiny taps bar at Woodford so those guys are the kombucha crafters and they Mm. they had like 25 different kombuchas on tap so I think I this is my goal this year is to make a non-alcoholic version so that I can encourage people to have those at my shows and kind of be Mm. be a part of it like I tend to like to make my own versions of things so that's so cool so (laughs) your mind doesn't stop does it (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. And I'm thinking of all the flavors. Uh, what of beer or kombucha? Because kombucha. kombucha. Oh, right. But I like. I really like trying the different alternatives as well. And yeah. and one of the musicians that sort of I was watching was um, Talara. So Talara is a friend of mine, and um, we did a small halls tour together back in November 2021 for Woodford, and we. We're drinking a lot like on that tour because both of us were just like woohoo we're on tour and yay we survived COVID and and then yeah when I saw that she'd quit drinking I was just like what the I was just yeah. quit drinking too yeah for over a year I have to get her on yeah definitely and talking to her recently at Woodford like the clarity in her eyes was just like whoa this is great yeah it's yeah amazing. I was really proud of her and so hearing some of these things like it's easy to say, Anna, I wouldn't do that. Like, that's not me. Like, I like to be like fluid or like flexible. Uh-huh. <laughs> but yeah, it's not that hard. There's alternatives. And, and I would recommend it just to understand how your mind works on it or off it. And mm. for me, my, my word of the year is optimize. Mm. If you're trying to grow something or if you're trying to reach certain goals, like drinking every day, it's not going to help you get to where you want to go as naturally and healthily as you could. So that's, that's my goal is to see how I go this year. And then I can tell now that the results are going to be much better than if I was, if I was just like spending a few hours relaxing with a drink in hand and then taking a few hours each morning just to like sort myself out. Yeah. It can be such a great, like for people listening and especially if you are one of those people that are just having a few or night, but you can kind of feel it slows you down. Like I think people wouldn't be curious about it if they weren't kind of sensing something in their own body. You know, there's all that sugar, like two glasses of wine, that's a lot of sugar mm-hmm. and the extra cortisol in the body and all those things that we're kind of having to put on top of already the mounting stress in the body. And so just to say to like yourself, I'm just going to try a year without it and just yeah. try some alternatives mm. and get really into it. Like this guy messaged me the other day named Paul and he was saying that Ash and I have inspired him to go sober and he was like, I'm just really getting into it. I'm just really like obsessed with it. And I remember Ash and I being really obsessed with it at the start. Yeah. So like just getting like really obsessed about non-alc drinks or obsessed about your wellness or finding alternatives to deal with stress making it fun and enjoyable rather than, oh, I'm missing out or I've got to be really rigid about this. Yeah. But just like still being fluid. Yeah. Right. But just being fluid in a new way where we're kind of like, no, I'm not having that, but I'm I'm going to play with this and dance with this a little bit and see how it feels. Yeah. Um, all, all it takes is just to bring that awareness 
and then you're not trying to block thoughts like when they come in you can go oh, I feel like a drink and talk to someone about it your partner or or someone around saying oh, I really feel like a drink and then saying I've got these alternatives and still yes. I think the other good thing to do is give yourself a couple of choices in the alternatives so it's not just like one option you're like I don't feel like that then it, everything feels like a green light rather than feeling like you're going without something but you really want that specific thing that's awesome 100 percent. I always say to people when you're starting fill your fridge with all sorts of options because you might not feel like a kombucha you might not feel like an alt-free beer you might feel like soda water that's pimped out or some yes. nice sugar-free cordial or there's so many options out there now and the cool thing is they're just everywhere so just playing with it and also if you can't if you're listening and you're thinking "Mm, it's not really a problem I don't think I'll worry about it try not doing it and then see like if you're not sure just try not doing it and see what comes up for you so if I'm craving something but then I don't do it, see what else comes up. So you could feel more tension, more, more stress. So it's kind of a good sign as to why you're doing it too. And so then thinking about what you might need to, sorry, I just went on a tangent then I realized. That's that's so true. And even like when you're not doing it, you still have to think about replacing the dopamine that you would usually get. And so understanding the different things that give you dopamine and just doing that. So for me, like I'm a big dog lover. And so mm-hmm. I always hang out with my dog. If I'm feeling not so good, I'll go hang out with my dog. And that always makes me laugh and, and, and does all of the things chemically that I would be looking to release stress with if I was just sitting inside having a drink, which is a yeah. boring alternative when I could be hanging out with my dog or yeah. with my, my wife and family. And, yeah. and so, yeah, definitely give, give it a go, I'd say, and just be aware of how you feel. And then that's kind of how I quit smoking as well. Like years and years ago when I was at university was I was just really aware that I was getting triggered all the time to want cigarettes. And then when I decided to quit, I was just really aware of how good I was feeling when I wasn't doing that. If you're sort of like me, when you quit one habit, you have to transfer it to doing something else that becomes your ritual to relax or or release that dopamine. Animals are great. Animals are great. Yeah, if animals are your thing, absolutely. I love getting in there. We've got this big old crazy Reginald and getting there with him sometimes and just giving them a cuddle or give your partner a big cuddle or one of the kids. Just having that kind of contact with something or somebody I find just can give you a bit of a flood of dopamine or a bit of a pash with your partner is really nice as well. Just sort of that kind of yummy feeling that you can also get from someone else if it's just not suiting, if you're just finding or really need something you know, mm. right now and I can't give it to myself. 100%. So you said earlier that you were drinking to take the edge off because of the ADHD, the busy mind and the probably dysregulated mm. nervous system. So why does someone get diagnosed and then go, okay, well, I'm going to stop doing the thing that's helping me? Yeah, because it's not healthy and it, it creates more stress in the long run because mm. the thing about Um, managing your own businesses you always leave the things you don't want to do for later and if you keep doing that and then just having a drink to try and relax instead of doing the things that you are leaving it just leads to more drinking and more trying to escape the responsibility so for me personally I'm not on any medication but both myself and my wife for 15 years have been working on feeling all of our emotions being really 
in connection with our own selves and needs and then communicating that to each other. And so she can tell when I start to be on my phone because we try to keep phones out of the shared spaces so we're not just sitting there on our phones. Mm. But she can tell if if I'm like start to check my phone, she's like asks me like, are you okay? How are you dealing with like work? And she can tell when I start to get a bit stressed about things like today I'm releasing a tour, I'm bringing two internationals from America out and running a tour down to a few festivals. And so today would be a day where I'd be like, oh, it's one o'clock, let's have a beer, woohoo, celebrate, mm-hmm. launch the thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that doesn't help. It doesn't mark the occasion. All it does is just dim me a bit and then I can't drive for an hour, hour and a half. And so it's like, how can I celebrate this in a way that makes me actually feel good mm-hmm. and then enables me to keep the momentum that I'm building and keep putting out like, my ADHD is very much like a superpower. Like I can do Woodford for six days programming, have two days off and then just be like next, 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 next. And so for me, I just have to just manage that energy and moving it towards the next project. And yeah, I think alcohol for me, I thought it was calming me, but as you know, like all of the things that are the effects of drinking, especially daily, slows it down and so for me I'm just like well I wonder what could happen if I spent a year not drinking and so I just put a year on it just so it becomes like a something you can watch over time it's achievable and then you extend it out from there and and just watch the growth at the same time and I use Trello so Trello is a platform where you can just put things up on a board and then you just track how it all goes and it's all it's sort of like little post-it notes my brain is like that. Like it's not in any date order. It's just like, this is what's happening in my life right now. And so finding a platform that you can really track things with as well is really good. Mm. And then, I mean, the other, the huge thing that has been the biggest difference is last year I got sick about six times and it was about two weeks every time I got sick. I reckon I probably had COVID twice and then different flus and things. I lost my voice from just being around late night other smokers and and drinkers and things and so if you equate that to loss of income that's thousands of dollars mm-hmm. and so for me I've only had a couple of days where I felt like I was catching something and I fought it off which is the first time I've been able to do that and I quit drinking in November so to me I'm just like I have to look after my health otherwise it affects me financially as well. Mm, it's a big picture like actually looking at the whole big picture of like everywhere that this is impacting in my life yeah. if I take it out what could be the impact then how did you know that if you were to stop drinking that it would have this positive effect perhaps on your the way you were thinking and your stress levels like how did you know well previously to understanding I had ADHD I just thought having a drink every now and then like was part of me connecting with my friends and being social and potentially like being able to network at industry events and things. And when I realized I had ADHD, I was just like, that's not helping. Like I could understand because I know how my brain works. And so when I realized it is ADHD, quitting drinking became very easy because I knew that if I could optimize the way that my creativity works, it could be really positive a positive impact for 
these tours I'm organizing, the level of promotion I can do, how much time and effort I can spend on promotion, especially, Mm -hmm. and doing things, trying to do it as efficiently as possible. I still struggle with that a little bit because I get the priorities mixed up on what needs to be done. And I always pick the funnest thing. (laughs) So, So that's my personal challenge now in my business is to make sure that I'm doing everything to the point Mm. where I can then hire staff again because prior to when everything shut down like things started to to happen and then now it's been a big rebuild process as you as you know Mm -hmm. so in order to make those leaps and and to do what I can see vision for this region of the Sunshine Coast yeah it's easy to quit drinking when you keep that vision in mind so having something you're working towards especially I'm very community-minded so then I have to be clear because I, I work with a lot of children. I work with families and things. And so for me, I want to be as approachable and as warm and friendly to people. And once again, alcohol doesn't help that. hundred oh, percent. Another great thing to realize too. So I would definitely say I'm on the ADHD side of things too. So I can so relate to you where I've got, you know, I'll be reading five books at the yeah. moment, I'm doing about two or three courses. I'm thinking about what courses I'm going to do next. And I do this and I do that. I'm super efficient. Like I could just do so many things at once. But then I I guess finding that balance too of, okay, I'm doing lots of things, but also settling my own nervous system. So for me, it's like a lot of downtime as well in the morning, yeah. just sort of calming the farm, a bit of yoga nidra in the afternoon to kind of just so I can find the balance. Otherwise, I just won't stop and hardly yeah. sleep. Yeah. Well, um, I'm like that. I don't stop. And like yeah. I try and have like massages and I'm always like, oh, is it over yet? Like I've done that too. Like, baths. like I'm like, is this all you do? And my my wife's on the other side going, isn't it great? And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I do the same. Ash will run a bath and he'll say, jump in and I'll get in there for about five minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm out. I've really got to force myself to stay in there. And same as I can't lay in bed. I just cannot lay in bed. And I should be like, you just, he goes, why don't you sleep in today? I'm like, have we ever met? Like (laughs) I've been together for like 20 something years. Like when have I ever slept in? So it's, it's kind of knowing and understanding that and, and seeing how alcohol before in the past would have definitely served as a way to kind of slow down, to stop. And And socially it's like, oh, cool. I'm going to have a drink. And it's that moment where you go, this is for me. Like, I think that's where it hooks a lot of us is we think Mm -hmm. we're giving ourselves something that is like self-nurturing. Yes. I think that's where like, because the industry paired it with social events and all of that, like I was contemplating because I was out at Woodford doing a bit of programming and, and I was contemplating how like the industry is so tied to alcohol. Yeah it's how they make their money. And so, mm-hmm. so challenging to try and forge a path for the alternative, mm-hmm. but then still make money. Like, And I think we will see a lot of change mm-hmm. as more people realize how unhealthy it is. Like I was mentioned to you in an email that I lost a brother, an older brother to addiction. My older brother was 10 years older than me, but he had had a, a car accident when he was 18 19 working on the drill rigs up in Northern Territory Mm. and then had most likely an acquired brain injury from that he had a big surgery and and just he wanted to be a DJ like later after he quit the drilling industry 
but the DJ culture, the drinking and the party drugs just completely wrecked him. So he was homeless from 2006. And so I think for me as well, like my mum was, uh, is a church minister. We grew up in Townsville and watching the negative impacts of, we would do outreach to a lot of the homeless communities like regularly and just seeing like the huge impacts of alcoholism on, on society. That's always stayed with me, which is why I've never abused it like to the level where I'm completely inebriated except for maybe my brother's wedding where the night before we were all getting reminiscent I had too much I couldn't walk but the thing is like you do see the effects on community on the vulnerable and the the people that can't or they have the trauma that they're self-medicating to try and forget or whatever it is and so for me I was never going to go that far with it and I thought one glass a day or two glasses a day would be okay. But I am proud of the fact that I don't help an industry that does wreck the lives of so many families and gets advertisement on almost every industry level, whether it's at sporting events or, or things like that. Like I hope that in the future we can find sponsors for things that aren't tied to these industries that rely on the overuse and uh, on people like giving all of their their money and themselves over to it and I guess the nature is though that they have the money because people spend so much money supporting them I guess you know but I guess the more we support our non-elk companies as well that perhaps they can get a look in for some sponsorship as well and I spoke to um, Maddie from Heaps Normal and like why aren't you at Blues Fest? I was getting so many so Mm. many so many messages from people saying I'm at Blues Fest and you can't get any alcohol-free beer here or you could, but there was one, like, I can't. Oh, no. yeah, you just couldn't get any. And I spoke to Maddie at Heaps Normal about it. I'm like, what, you guys? And he said, it's so ridiculously expensive to have a stand mm-hmm. there. Like, it's really, it's unaffordable for them. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's that tricky kind of, and for musicians, it's hard too, because most of the festivals that you guys play are sponsored by alcohol companies and I know, look, it's been a thing for Ash to say, is this going to be detrimental for my mm. career to speak out too much yeah. against the alcohol industries? Yeah. Because is that going to have a negative impact on me? Am I not going to be booked for something because of that yeah. stance? And yeah, it's something to consider, you know, but hopefully there'll be more sponsorship coming in from other places as well. And yeah. look, it's hard for our venues and we want to support our venues because they are copped it so bad. And they're also supporting the musicians. Yeah. Like you say, there's more and more venues now where there's alcohol-free options coming in. So the more we go in there and when we're comfortable to do so and start ordering up the alcohol-free beers, things Mm -hmm. like that, or alcohol-free options, it helps support those industries. It's really challenging because like even in in my town where I have Peace Run Records in Nambour, we have a special entertainment precinct that zoning where they've given us this it was almost like a Stephen Bradbury moment where they were trying to make Maroochydore Ocean Street the entertainment precinct, but uh, there was a conflict of interest because the mayor owned a venue in that strip. So they gave it to Nambour. Nambour has like three pubs and not any designated live music venues. And so I'm here just holding little events and things and singer-songwriters, concerts and things, but and we had the liquor licensing guy come up and talk to council and all the music industry people here and say, look, in order to run a music venue here, you would have to sell seven, $8,000 worth of alcohol a week. 
and they were talking about how that's what's going to get you your live music venue and I was thinking like if we're trying to sell that much alcohol to our community like and we want three or four venues like the social impact of like the reality of that and the spend that people would have to be making and then the social problems that come from that maybe we don't want that (laughs) maybe we just want people to come and hold events here but regional towns can't they just can't unless like you see mining towns and things like that they can have 11 pubs on the one street or whatever like if there's an industry there they can maintain something like that Mm -hmm. but if we're looking at creating music industry centers in small regional towns we're going to have to come up with alternatives to creating venues that sell alcohol in order to survive because that's not a good we don't want that we don't want it to be like fortitude valley we want to make it community driven community focused and and for music to be enough as well yeah, because yeah. it has to be safe. So you're thinking about all the trouble that can come after a big night of booze and the domestic violence and just violence in general and all those things that show up after a big night of booze. So, yeah, it's, it totally makes sense. The Brunswick Picture House is an interesting one. And in order to play there, the musicians lose a huge cut of their ticket price. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something like 40%, but they don't sell alcohol there. So they're not making money off alcohol. So there's this kind of thing... I guess from the artist perspective too, I'm losing so much of my ticket price, but also here's this venue. It's got a beautiful PA. It's a beautiful room. They've got a beautiful outreach on their newsletter and things like that. So they're kind of guaranteeing you a decent audience, beautiful sound, a fairly sober audience. I think people can maybe bring in their own wines, but they they can't buy them there. They just Mm. don't have the license to sell it. It's a beautiful place to play. But again, you're sort of the artists can kind of, lose out there too it's so hard interesting isn't it like you start to realize how much we are tied to it when you do step away and I know me personally I have saved a lot of money not drinking it's probably that's the best way to tell if it's having a positive impact on your life especially now with all the different costs of things but I think in this industry as well we're trying to make authentic connections with people in order to create that lasting connection between performer and following. Yeah. When we go into a community, like I would love to play a venue like that and invest because it's always an investment, Mm. invest into keeping that venue going Yeah. because it provides an alternative to playing at a pub. I come from a family where my dad's a geologist, used to drink all the time. I remember taking him Forex beers as a really little kid, like going and getting one from the fridge and wondering, what is this golden? It's probably why my favorite color is gold. Cause I was like this golden red can. And just like the drinking was quite six cans, seven cans a day. And then my two older brothers were the same being drillers. So I grew up very normalized around it, except for my mum was a church minister and we would do this other work and it sort of cancelled it out for me in understanding how bad it is I think we're going to have to come up with more alternatives doing like um, small hall regional shows is always beautiful because they'll often just be run by the volunteer committee and it has a really beautiful energy to it they might have one or two options Mm. of beers and and other things but it's always just held in community which I feel like it should that should be what we're going for rather than these huge events where we might make more money but then you can't really reach the audience because they're all they're all pissed yeah 
Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. So, okay, looking at yourself now, what are the positive impacts you're already seeing? So you said that you're, you've got more money. Yeah. What about your connection with your wife? How's that been when you're not having a couple of wines at night? It's much better. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I think I would always have more. She might have half a glass maybe, but definitely like being more present is the goal always. And so if I'm more present, then I can talk to her about stress if I'm feeling stressed and then that deepens our connection. The positives from not drinking now, like financially with my wife's relationship, I think the events that I've held since then have been either sold out or closer to sold out. I've been able to promote them better. The connection I have with people I work with as well is better. The one challenge I have now is that I've created a beer through a local brewery for my label and I don't have an alternative. And so just my own personal conflict that I'm working through at the moment is do I continue that or do I just say, look, I'm stepping away Thanks very much. That was fun. <laughs> Perhaps um, you could do an alcohol-free version. Yeah. Well, they don't do that, the particular brewery I work with, but it was always going to be a test run of 30 cases any, anyway. It wasn't like a big, big thing. It was just, let's help Andrea. And I was like, but I don't really drink beer. And they were like, but you can make money from selling it at your gigs. And that's mm. the thing is like, do I continue doing something like that? Because it might make me an extra couple of hundred bucks. Or do I find an alternative and go down the route of someone like Tash Sultana, who's got a lot of non-alcoholic options for people, or like even from talking to you and understanding how it does with the industry, really rely on it. I think I do want to be part of a change where we offer alternatives to people and then people end up becoming more present. And it might mean that they feel their feelings and they might not always be positive, but that in the end, in the long run, it is a positive thing rather than putting it off and trying to hide it under dimming everything. 100%. You know, one thing from an artist's perspective, I've noticed when Ash plays shows, like we'll say he plays a festival, we were saying the other day, you're better off not having the headline spot because the headline spot is usually at the end of the night. Everyone's pissed. You don't sell any merch. Yeah, it's so Everyone's pissed. But if you get a spot in the middle of the day, everyone's sober, you sell tons of merch. And the same as at the gigs. Like if you go into a theatre show, you sell a lot more merch than if you're going and doing playing at a brewery or at a pub. Yeah. It's just so different. So I know. Yeah. in one I way when you lose out, you kind of make it up in the other the other side as well too. So that's something to think about also. Yeah. My first band was the the party band at the end of the night and we had that problem. And and the types of interactions you'd have with people, they'd be like sort of all over you because that was the feeling from the night before. And it it's not really an energy that you can carry on past maybe your 20s like I mean people do but I do think like if you're going to approach from a business perspective like Ash was saying about merch sales which can equate to heaps really like if you really manage it and brand yourself in a way that makes it easy for people to go I like that guy look there's his merch there's all the things I'll spend 50 bucks or 100 bucks to support the music Mm -hmm. I think That's another thing as well, that if you're looking at quitting alcohol and putting on your own shows, you have to think about, you're going to make a real connection with the audience. So how can you make it easy for them to support you as well? And definitely Mm. merch for for audiences that are really 
like aware and watching the show like they'll receive it and that's the kind of interactions we we look for especially with the way streaming is and everything like you've got to make it as easy as possible for people to Mm. connect and it's beautiful to have that beautiful connection with the audience as well so that's what we're kind of aiming for rather than uh, yeah okay so all right so you're seeing some great benefits that's awesome the connection with your wife with your partner you must be feeling a lot clearer in the mind it's really exciting so just looking at even if I'm only having a couple of drinks a night what could be the positive impacts that I might have and what would it be like just to for a certain amount of time give it away and also like I said earlier if it's not a problem, then just try not doing it and see if that feels problematic to you. And then that's a good indication. Oh, it felt really yuck to not have it tonight or I felt anxious. Mm. Actually, that, that doesn't mean go and have it. It means, oh, that's interesting. Let's get curious about that. Perhaps try stepping away from it for a while and and see because it's obviously filling some kind of hole. It's filling some kind of a void. So I think it's worth looking at. And I think like I'm no scientist, but like from the videos I've watched, looking at the impacts it has on the later years in life. I have a few friends who they just drink a bit regularly. They've always done it. And as they get older, they can't recall names of things and they really struggle. Whereas my wife's granddad didn't drink and into his eighties, like we were still laughing, cracking jokes, having conversations and things. So realistically, like if you do plan on living a long life or like want to be able to have the energy to be an active member of your family and your relationship. Like I think just give up drinking for a month, just try it and just see if that gives you a better quality of life. Cause it might feel like it's relaxing now, but the actual impacts it has scientifically and medically on your health, especially in older life. That's one of the things that I said to my wife in our wedding vows was like, I vow to eat less hot chips because, <laughs> because <laughs> I, because I love potatoes, but I know that the oil is not good for me and I want to live a longer life. And so I feel like that with alcohol now, I feel like I want to live a long life. And so Mm -hmm. you have to make these decisions for your health. If it's something that is important to you, just to give yourself better quality of life in the long run. No, absolutely. And why shouldn't your body and your health be a priority? You know, that's the only one that we've got. So making it a priority. One other thing I just wanted to add, for people listening, if you feel like oh, I only have a couple of nights, sometimes it's harder to stop a couple of nights than it is to stop binge drinking. Mm-hmm. Because binge drinking, for some people, they could go weeks. Like I was a bit like that. Like I could go weeks and not drink and then boom, just have the biggest fucking blowout ever. But I was never the habitual drink every single day, really, not until towards the end. And so sometimes the people that are only having a couple of nights, that's even harder because it's much more habitual. Yeah, or a nice one at Christmas. Like that was probably the most challenging one for me was when I'd already pre-booked a buffet for Christmas lunch, mm-hmm. like 200 bucks, and I yeah. wasn't thinking. And I've got to get my money's worth. Yeah, I was like, damn it, no. Like I should have quit after Christmas. What was I thinking? Uh-huh. And so when you do things like that, you make your money in not feeling terrible the next day. Like when I was there and everyone was having rosé and beers and things and I was like, okay, this is a little challenging. I feel challenged. And I I just like had juice. They only really had orange juice. So I just had that. And then I made myself a coffee and then just kind of managed it. And then everyone that had the wine didn't feel so great after the wine. Do you notice that sometimes at buffets Mm -hmm. when they give you like 
the quality of the alcohol might have sulfites or whatever it is. It's not organic or whatever. Mm. So really you're just doing it because it's free. That's the hardest thing I think is when either it's free or when you think it's helping you to relax. They're the two triggers that I find is the hardest. But totally. I, I do find like if you can just try it, come up with alternatives. If you don't like it, you can always return to it. But yeah, I can like say from my point of view, like my body has really been positively impacted. Like I can feel it in my health, in the way that I exercise now. And in, I always would sort of retain a bit of body weight when I would drink mm. and that disappears when I stop drinking. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have like rings under my eyes like I usually do because I stay up later because I'm anxious after drinking. So then I stay up on my phone or whatever it is. We don't notice because at the time we're giving ourselves a drink, we don't notice how the ripple effect affects our next 24 hours until the mm. next time we drink. It's yeah. like sort of a sleep to the effects of it. Yeah, because things might make you feel good in the moment, yeah. but it doesn't mean that that thing loves you enough to make you feel good long-term. And funnily, talking about Dr. Daniel Amen, I'm um, reading one of his books at the moment, one of the five books I'm reading at the moment, but he's talking about you know having food and drinks that you love that love you back. Yeah, I love that whole concept. So everything I'm eating at the moment, I'm like, does this love me back? And I'm talking to the kids about it at the moment, like let's write a list about foods that we love that love us back or nice. drinks that we love that love us back. And alcohol doesn't love you back. It, it's a very short-term feeling. It's just the same as the hot chips, right? I fucking love a hot chip. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. I love it. I fucking love it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't love me back because afterwards I feel a bit, uh, I feel a bit crappy, oh you know. God. And even thinking long-term, you know, does this have an, all these fats, do they have an effect on my mental health or my happiness? Do I feel foggy afterwards like a heap of pasta, which I it's also my other love? So thinking about the long-term impacts and does this love me back? It's a really good way of looking at it too. So it might feel good short-term, but we're going to think about the long-term. And so even though, oh, I want to go back to that too, what you were saying, just because it's free, I know that's a big trigger and that was one of ours because we were living in Bali, so we're traveling a lot at the time when we stopped. And so we'd be in the, the lounges all the time, the airport lounges. Anyway, and so, of course, all the alcohol is free and the food's free. And also, so at first it was dealing with, okay, let's just have heaps of soda water <laughs> and heaps of tea and all that stuff because I feel like, oh, it's free. I've got to get heaps of, heaps yeah. of it. Yeah. And then even with the food, but now it's like just like with the buffet, it's like just because it's free, I don't have to have it. I can have a healthy alternative or I can just chill the fuck out or just be here. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's like that Labrador mindset where you just mm. like, food, food. <laughs> like if it's in front of you, you'll consume it. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the thing that I'm most proud of now is that if it's free, I just go, does, does my body need that? No. Yeah. So what else is free that I, I do want? There's got to be some other free stuff back there. I've got to get me something free. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Oh, Andrea, thank you so much for this chat. You're up on the sunny coast. You're going to be doing some shows with my lovely husband, your doppelganger. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to come up and watch you guys at some of the shows, which is going to be awesome. And seeing you two on stage together, that's going to be hilarious. Yeah, it's going to be great. <laughs> Not hilarious because you guys are funny, but because you look so similar. <laughs> but, yeah, I really look forward to that. And so if anyone's interested in in hearing your awesome music, they can what's the best way to contact you or to listen to you yeah so you can always pop in in Nambour so I have a shop on Queen Street uh, we do little shows and concerts through my label Peace Run Records 
Otherwise, you can look up andreakerwin.com or I'm about to do a tour in March as well. I'm doing the four shows with Ash uh, in early February and then in March we'll be heading down through Blue Mountains Music Festival, Yak and Danda Folk Festival and the National. So awesome. always happy to connect. And, uh, yeah, it was really wonderful meeting you actually. And it's funny how, like, you hear certain things a few times, like, oh, Talara stopped drinking. Oh, Kelly stopped drinking. Oh, I ran into Danny and she was talking about a podcast. Like, all those little things do matter along people's journeys because the more things come up, the more you pay attention. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to thank you as well for, for having me on the podcast, even though I'm still, like, a newbie at three months. But it's it's a way of surrounding myself with people who I can connect with and stay strong with as well if if you do get to those points where you're like wow that's this is really hard I want to send a message to Kelly or, or Danny and yeah and have a chat so thank you for what you do as well it's really important oh thank you so much and for people listening go out to a show go see Andrew go buy her a kombucha give <laughs> her some new stuff to try <laughs> And I look forward to hearing more about your sober journey. I'd love to get you back on and and hear more about those positive effects as time goes on. And yeah, thank you. And thank you just for sharing and being so open and vulnerable today. It was awesome. No worries. Thank you. Thanks, Danny. See ya. Bye. Bye. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.